1: Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. I am excited to have you today and I'm really excited for the guest that I have on today. Her name is Elise Coyle. And if you remember a couple of months ago, I posted on my Instagram account looking for ideas and traditions for extended families to stay close because that is a phase of life that in motherhood that I'm entering right now. And I was totally blown away by all of the suggestions that so many of you gave me. Um, So if you missed it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes on my website, spirituallymindedmom.com. And you can see all the great ideas that everybody shared. But one of the people who commented and gave some great suggestions was my friend, Elise Coyle. And Elise and her husband are the parents of five children, four of whom are grown and out of the house. And she also is a grandma to three and i have loved her ideas and the intentionality that she has with being a mom to adult children. And so we're going to talk about that today in this interview, talk about what she did when her kids were little and and where she's at now. So welcome to the podcast Elise.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm I'm super excited.
1: Okay, so we have to have full disclosure here right that we've known each other since the 7th grade. <laughs> right? We yeah, met in the 7th grade. Our families both moved to the same small town the same time. And mm-hmm. so we've known each other for a very long time. And Elise could tell you a lot of funny stories about me. Like most of them would probably involve big hair and boys. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think you could probably do the same, right? Because we (laughs)
1: rocked the eighties. Yes, we were (laughs) the Queens of the eighties. That is for sure. Okay. So Elise and I go way back. And the funny thing about this is I was writing out this bio and I'm like, she's a grandma to three. And that kind of, (laughs) set me back a little bit. I'm like, we are the exact same age. I think you're a month older than me. Um, so yeah, but she's a grandma to three. And I've been wanting to have a perspective on the podcast of people who are, are a little further along in life and, and do have grandkids. And so that's kind of been something I'm thinking about. And I didn't expect that the first person I would have that's a grandma is the same age as me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you started earlier, I started later. It's all good. Right, We're great. Right. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in and talk about your motherhood journey, Elise. Um, so you started out having your first four kids in five years. And this was while both you and your husband were still in school. And this was an intentional choice that you and your husband made together. So why did you make the decision to have your kids close together? And how has that decision blessed your family?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I, like, you listened, I listened to those questions. And I'm like, why did we choose crazy? Like <laughs> it's kind of kind of oh, overwhelming sometimes. So you know, really, what happened? Um, I got married after two years of college, and my husband said to me one night we'd been married for a couple of weeks, and he's like, Elise, wow, when we pray, I just have a really strong impression that we need to ask if it's time to start our family. And every alarm went off like, no, everyone waits two years. Like we're still in school. What are you talking about? My mom's going to freak. Like, you know, (laughs) what do we do? And I, but I gathered myself and I'm like, okay, fair. But I need to pray. I need to get that same prompting. I need to have that same confirmation. So, um, I asked Heavenly Father if we should start a family. And the answer was a very just a very overwhelming peaceful feeling that that he had children for us that were ready to come so with that we did we were married in august of 92 and we had baby number 1 in june of 93 so just before our first anniversary wow and you know it's a crazy roller coaster ride but it is what it is um and we've loved it as far as our preceding children. (laughs) After that, we let heavenly father take the will. Um, not always completely willingly. I would not be honest if I told you that I was never overwhelmed when I was nine months. I had a nine month old and found out I was expecting, Um, numbers two, three, and four are each 18 months apart. And, and that was overwhelming for me, but it was heavenly father's plan. And sometimes his plan is overwhelming, right? Um, I sent a quote to my daughter just last week that says, um, "God places a Goliath in our life so that we can find our own David." And we have oh, to remember good. that Goliaths aren't always big, ugly men, giants, right? That want to kill us. Goliaths are are everyday little things. And and for me at the time, it was these spirits are ready to come and they're going to be yours and you're going to figure out how to be strong enough to do this. So the blessings have, have never stopped coming from, from letting that be a part of how we started our family and letting Heavenly Father guide that for us.
1: So what would you say to, if there's a young mom listening right now, that's where you were at, you know, with all these little kids and they're all close in age and whether they planned it or not, I mean, you kind of planned it, but you know, sometimes it happens and, and you, it just, it just is what it is. What would you say to them to, you know, you said that you have felt overwhelmed. What would you say to them to get through that and to, you know, kind of as someone that's on the other side? Yeah.
0: Um, I've thought a lot about, I've probably thought the most about this question because I think sometimes our retrospect is has a whole new perspective. And, you know, honestly, probably the biggest lesson that I learned through our children. Well, number one, my kids are so close and I just love it. I love that when they come home, it's just party in the family room. Like nobody sleeps in a bedroom. They all sleep on the beanbag and the couches, even my married daughter. (laughs) And, and I love that. But as that young mom that was just trying to get through the day, I learned very quickly that I had to get outside of the box, the picture that I had of what a mom was or did or said didn't matter because those pictures were not pictures of me. They didn't emphasize my strengths. I have some amazing strengths and I also have some amazing non-strengths and I had to step away from those things that weren't my strengths. So I'm going to, I'll share a quick little story. When our oldest was getting ready to turn a year old, um we were both still in school and so you know finances were a little bit tight and I had to get a little creative but in my mind a really cool mom makes their daughter the cutest outfit in the whole wide world and makes them an amazing birthday cake so I can sew I can sew like the dickens so I we made the cutest little sunflower outfit with the hat and the bow and everything had that down the night before my daughter's first birthday I decided it was time to make a cake from scratch yeah (laughs) never done it before so I go through some magazines I find a cake recipe I make this cake from scratch it's midnight by the time it's done put it in the fridge get up the next morning and I mean I'm also going to make frosting from scratch because of course that's what good moms do right so I make the frosting it's a little lumpy it's not colored quite as bright as I wanted it to but you know I'm I'm super mom, so I start frosting the cake, and the crumbs are pulling up in the frosting, and I am in tears by the time I'm done. It it's a mess. And I called my mom, and I'm just sobbing to my mom about her birthday's ruined and why didn't this cake turn out? And I'm going on and on and on. And my mom's an amazing listener. And I got done with my discourse, and she paused for a minute and she said, Elise, I have no doubt Brittany's outfit is darling because I taught you how to sew, and I know. You have a talent with sewing. When did you learn to bake a cake from scratch? Well, never mom. This was the first time. So sweetheart, like, why did you think that this should be the first time you should do that? That should have been something that maybe you had made a goal and worked towards and plan. And it was in that moment that I realized I, I am the whole package just as me. And I can, it's okay that her cake looks like that. She did not care one Yeah. Bit, right? Right. And so I've, tr- I've tried to just move forward through parenting. And this was before I knew in five years, I'd have three more kids. But look at what my strengths are and let Heavenly Father use my strengths to raise my kids. Pull in the strengths of other people, right? At times when they're needed, but don't focus on what I can't do. Don't focus on what I'm not good at and, and know that what my kids need is exactly what I have.
1: That is so So. good. That's so good. That's a common theme that I keep hearing over and over in all of my interviews is that as moms, we need to let go of comparing ourselves to someone else and the expectations, even in our own mind, we have this expectation and it's not reality. Focus on our own strengths. That is so good. Like that is the best advice because our kids are meant for us. I mean, there's a reason that we have the kids that we have and we can God can equip us to do whatever they need. Give us whatever they need. So that's great that you learned that so early on. I mean, I'm sure it was a process and ongoing, but to learn that when your oldest is just a year old, that's that's a great ad, a great advantage that you had before you had all these other kids. And it's great advice to to another mom that's right there in the trenches. Let go of all those expectations. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: It, it was. It was. I mean, yeah. It was definitely trial. An error. And I find myself still, right. Um, my youngest is 16. He's a junior or a sophomore in high school. And you still find yourself wanting to be the mom, you know, the, whatever, well, I've cooking is a common theme in my life as not being a strength. And so, you know, when they need a football dinner, rather than volunteering to bake all six dozen cookies, I'm the first mom to say, Hey, I'll do the list. I'll do the Google doc. I'll get the spreadsheet. I'll get the assignments. I'll do the cleanup. <laughs> I'll do the setup. Cause I can do that. I can yeah. make lists. I can organize people. I do that rather than embarrass my kid with <laughs> all these really hard overbaked cookies, right? Yes. Let somebody else make the cookies and I'm going to do what I'm good at. So it's, it's a constant battle, but it definitely, when I listen to that part of my of what I know it definitely makes life easier.
1: Yeah, so true. And and we all have different strengths and isn't that a great thing? Because there is a mom out there that can make amazing cookies and she can bring those cookies and that's great. And you right. can you can be the organizer and and all of that. And so it is so important to to recognize that even as your kids grow up. I love that. So one of the things that you also mentioned to me is that as your children have grown, it's been a little bit hard for you to honor their agency. So I would love to talk about that a little bit more because I think that's a common thing with moms. We want to control. We want want to have the power. Um, So what do you mean by that, that it's been hard to honor their agency and how have you worked through it? So yeah, this has been a big journey
0: for me. Um, When our kids are little, like we get to pick what they have for lunch and we pick out their clothes and we help them do their hair and and all those things. But then as they grow, as they get into that toddler independent stage and they get into you know grade school and adolescent we as moms as parents are in that constant balance of giving them a little bit more control what they can handle right but still maintaining a balance that we are guiding them and we're directing them in what they're doing and i i struggled with that i i tease my kids that i was not a control freak until i had them and then with each kid it seemed to become yes. more and i think it's because we see them as closely as God does. We see their potential. We see their beauty. We see them for absolutely who they are and absolutely who they can be. And it's hard to step back. And Heavenly Father had to really teach me that. And and it really, I really didn't get a full piece and vision of that until probably about three years ago. But within, you know, by following. God or Heavenly Father, we need to give our children those choices, choices that they can handle, choices that they're ready to do. And the more choices we can give them while consequences are smaller, the better they're going to do with choices when the consequences are bigger. But it doesn't mean it's easy to step back, right? And I, I think that we can get a, we feel a little bit of maybe Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father's joy and pain as they step back and watch us here on earth going, going through, going through our journey. Um, so something that we did, I, um, Rick and I, we were struggling. Our oldest was four-ish and she was going to wear purple glitter shoes everywhere she went. And she was never going to have her hair done and her clothes (laughs) never matched. And it was like, (laughs) there's got to be a boundary here, right? We got to have, we got to have choices, but there do need to be, some boundaries. And by the time she was four, I was pregnant with number four and had two and three, and we had to create some orders. So my husband sat down and we, we chose silver bullets for our parenting. We sat down and decided, okay, we would love our kids to do everything perfectly awesome and amazing. We would love for them to listen to every piece of advice or principle that we teach them, but that's not going to happen. So we're going to pick some silver bullets that we are going to stick to Absolutely, like steadfast feet in cement. We're not going to move. And then there's going to be things that we're going to leave open for choice. And we're going to have open discussion with them. So, so what we did, so our silver bullets were number one, honesty, no matter what our kids were going to know that they needed to be honest and that within our family, we would have open, non-judgmental communication. That was a really, really important thing um, for Rick and I. And I think it would be different for every family, right? Every, every parents are going to feel a different pull. The other things that, that were non-negotiables for us, um, was modesty three, five of our kids are girls. And for my boys, it was that they stay clean cut. I felt like if they respected their body and they respected what they looked like, that that would carry over in to, to who they were. Um, and then very last, they were going to be kind no matter what, our children were going to be kind. So those are our silver bullets. And we made it pretty much known, you know, we have choices. Um, you can clean your room happy, or you can clean it sad. There's
1: your choice, yeah. right? But your room is going to get clean. So how did you communicate these silver bullets to your kids? <laughs> <laughs> what did that you look know, like? Was it informal? Did you sit down and say, here's, you know, what the coil family is going to do? Or
0: yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, it was never a list on the fridge mm-hmm. at all. But I really tried to gear our our family time time we spent with family home evening or teaching gospel principles around those things. So if my kids were quarreling, right, which it always happens, um, I would instead of if I wanted um, to teach them to be kind, I felt like it was a better approach to come from them recognizing others being kind to them than having to make them be kind. So we would put, we would put charts on the fridge when each of the kids would have 10 squares and the first one to fill their 10 squares, when they noticed someone being kind to them with a sticker, they got to pick what kind of ice cream I bought at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, Until our kids were teenagers, I do remember a time specifically with each of my three girls that it was, no, you are not going to wear that. These are the standards that I set for you (laughs) as being your mom. It is my responsibility that you are going to be within these parameters, period. That's just how it's going to be. And I have a daughter who is amazing. And she said to me one day, she was about 14, and she goes... I really wish booty shorts were on your list of things that we could wear because <laughs> I would rock them. <laughs> I'm like, you would, you would, you've got a cute little behind, but you're not going to wear them because they're not in my parameters of what I feel shows that you respect who you are. Right. Um, and so it was open discussion, but they knew there was no budge. There, there, there was not going to be a change in, in that I mean, there are a lot of other great things that we teach our children to do, right? And we hope that they follow. But there was negotiation. When my kids were younger, my daughter got to pick which days I did her hair and which days she did her hair, right?
1: That's a good. <laughs> Sunday, that's good.
0: Sunday was a non-negotiable. Sunday was a mom-do hair day. <laughs> okay, so what over.
1: about the purple glitter shoes?
0: <laughs> they Those were a gimme. She wore those with every outfit until she grew out of right. them, and I... We sent those things to Di so fast when she was out. They were outgrown. You wouldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> but you, but I think I think you what you say is a great principle for a, for a mom to have a good relationship with your kids. Have those parameters that these are the things and communicate them very clearly. That these are the things that we expect. But then have you know pick your battles. Have some things outside of that that they can have a choice because. If they grow up and never have a choice in anything, then they're going to leave your home and not, and they're going to be paralyzed. They're not going to know what to do. So, so I think that's a great approach. I love that, that you had yeah. these silver bullets and, and they knew it. And then you just work through everything else.
0: We did. That's great. We did. I, um, so my daughter, our oldest, um, when she graduated, we owned, we owned a tire store and she worked there with us. Right. And she came to me one day. We had also been very strict about curfew. I don't know if we really wrote that down as a silver bullet when they were younger. But as they became teenagers, curfew was a non-negotiable. It it was Mm -hmm. what it was, right? And she had graduated and she was going to go down to Southern Utah University, which is six hours away from me. And my husband and I talked about how we needed through the summer to kind of loosen the reins a little, mm-hmm. and start letting her even make more of her own decisions. And curfew was a thing that we pulled back. So she'd be like, Hey, I'm going to go with my friends. We're going to do this. And I would just be like, um, when do you think you'll be back? And she'd tell me, and I'd be like, okay. And I, I did not give any other input. And I remember she came to work at the tire store one morning and she was absolutely distraught. And she's like, mom, I've got to talk to you like right now. I'm like, all right. She goes back in my office. She's like, are you guys mad at me? And I'm like, well, no, I know. And she's like, is dad mad at me? No. And I'm like searching my mind. Like, am I supposed to be mad? Am I supposed to be upset with you? I said, Brittany, honey, what, what's going on? And she says, for the last two weeks, you haven't given me a curfew. Do you uh. not want me to come home? And I was like, oh baby. Okay. Let's talk about this. This was a time where I learned we should have talked to her ahead of time. So I said, here's the deal you're going to go six hours away from me. I need to know in my mom heart that you can govern yourself to be home and be safe and know when it's okay to stay out later. And when it's when you need to come home to get up for school the next day. So I want you to make these choices now while I can still help you pick up the pieces once in a while versus when you're down at school. And she was like, Oh my gosh, could you just have told me that sooner, <laughs> mom? I've been worrying for days and days. <laughs> but it's that process, right, of letting our kids learn to govern themselves because we got the same privilege. We were right. all given that same privilege and and we have to we have to let them have that. By the same token, we don't at our home, we have never encouraged steady single dating. We have encouraged double dating and Using the time in high school to date and get to know a lot of people, right? Well, both my second and my third, so my daughter and a son, both at different times came to us and just said, I really like so-and-so. I'm just going to date them. And that's what I want to do. And so, okay, went back to the silver bullets. They were honest and they were openly communicating with us. And so we were able to sit down and go, okay, um, it's not our favorite choice, but you're being open with us and being honest. So let's work out how we can both feel okay about this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when the curfew came even 30 minutes sooner <laughs> than it would have been. Um, one of our rules was no driving, movies, um, different things like that. But we were able to work through that and let them say, hey, this is my choice and this is what I want to do. And we could give our input, but still let them go through that process and feel like they're in control of some of what
1: they do. I think I think that's a very loving approach. And it and it kind of shows the story about your daughter, you know, thinking, do you know, are you mad at me, you know, because you're not giving that curfew. I think as if if we set those expectations and those boundaries young, as they grow, they're going to realize, even if they're kicking against us, you know, especially those early teenage years, they're gonna they're gonna realize that we're doing this because we love them, and it's out of love that we're giving them these boundaries. And I think that's your story illustrates that perfectly that that is what what your daughter learned and giving your kids some choices when, you know, you don't have to control every little thing that giving them some choices is also showing them love. It's kind of, you know, both sides and, and it will preserve your relationship with them as well. So right. I love that. And I mentioned at the beginning that the reason I, I reached out to you and said, come on my podcast, because you shared some really great things that you have done in your family to stay close to adult children who have left your home. And so I would love to talk about that and and if there's you know what are those traditions what what are some of the things that you do and then were there, was there anything that you did when they were young to kind of set the the stage for that I mean maybe you didn't plan that far ahead but you know looking back can you see any things that you did when they were all still at home that kind of set the standard for that
0: So I loved <clears throat> I love this question a couple big things in our family have been traditions and and service and I think that originated pretty much because um well number one we were stinking poor until we got done with school and started our careers right so i had to get pretty creative with with the things that we would do um Another piece of the, of our lives was that my husband, once he finished school, he was a police officer. So he did security for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for several years until we moved out here to Duchesne. And then he was a police officer. So we've never, my kids don't know a nine to five Monday through Friday dad schedule. And so weekends happened when dad was off and that could be on a Wednesday. It could be, you know, Uh it might be that he's going to work seventeen straight shifts. And we were going to have to sneak in me home evening on a Tuesday morning at breakfast and the next Thursday night before he went back to bed after a graveyard or whatever it was. So we had to get super creative about what we did. And so I was able to pull in just little traditions that the kids could count on that we would, that we would always do. Um, making the same thing for breakfast every time dad was home, right? They always knew if I was cooking waffles, that that meant it was a breakfast when dad was going to be home because my husband loved waffles and they were cheap. And that was something <laughs> that we could do. We couldn't all go out to IHOP, um, but we could just have waffles together or for family home evening. We would, we, a lot of times we, for a family home evening activity, we, we did service. We popped popcorn and put it in a bag with a ribbon and put it on somebody's doorstep because Because it was cheap, but I could still show my kids how to do anonymous service, right? When we moved out here to Duchesne, we lived close to my husband's grandma, which was different for me. I had never lived close to grandparents, um, and my children hadn't really—they had lived for a time when they were toddlers close to my husband's parents. So when we moved out here, his grandma was late 70s, early 80s, and one of their favorite things to do— was when we i knew she was at a doctor's appointment we would sneak over to her trailer and we'd clean her house (laughs) and i just had to make it a game um that we got done before grandma came back because we didn't want grandma to catch us because then she would try to pay us and we didn't want to be paid but that was an after school activity right it was it was free (laughs) right so so as we did those things it just created traditions within our family that as our children left for college they naturally wanted it to continue. We have always had an extra stocking hung at Christmas time for Christ. Um, it's the first stocking that we hang oh, I love the first that. week of December, and in we work all December long to recognize acts of service that other people are doing. We write them down on pieces of paper and stick them in the stocking, and then on Christmas Eve before we open our Christmas pajama traditional packages we open Christ's gift that we have given him and we read through those papers. That's just, that was something that my husband kind of threw out. And I was like, I don't know if the kids are going to catch on to that, but we've done it for, for over 20 years and I've saved papers. And so sometimes we'll pull out the old ones, like my poor children. (laughs) (laughs) I use them as such guinea pigs that they'll be like, so-and-so shared her cookie without being asked. Or someone made my bed and I don't know who, um, someone went potty all by themselves, right? (laughs) Like all of those little things. And so as my children have, have left home, then we've, we've sent them with a stocking or we've said, Hey, text me, text, text me your, you know, the gifts you've seen for Christ. So I can put them in the stocking when they're, when they're away Hmm. at college. And so those traditions have helped us to keep that common, common ground, especially around holidays my favorite thing we started doing, so we started doing this. I had a daughter in Orm at hair school, my daughter in Colorado, married, and son on a mission for our church. She was serving a mission in Peru, and then my other daughter had moved out after, so we just had one at home, and found my home evenings just felt a little empty um, with the three of us hanging out, and I have always used our general conference talks that have been given as a way to to teach our children as they've become older. So we have a group text and we choose an article every week and everyone we read that article and then as we find our little pieces of aha or wisdom or whatever it is, then we we text those and just share those with each other. And it's been a way to be able to feel like we're we're really still connected, you know we're not. Yeah. All doing the same thing on Sunday. Sunday's always been a time of reflection and and time of, of testimony for us. And we're not all in the same home to do that together, but we're able to continue that
1: with the wonderfulness of of cell phones and social yes, media. Yes, it's so. great. It's great that we live in a time that we that we can do that. This is a question that I did not give you ahead of time, but I just want to throw this in. How do you incorporate your grandkids now? Are they old enough that you can that they've come into your family traditions at all?
0: Yeah. So, so little bits, um, obviously, um, our oldest grandson is in kindergarten, so he's not texting (laughs) yet. (laughs) Right. They're not in the texting group. Let's hope. Right.
1: Um,
0: but yes, we have tried to, um, my daughter has carried some of those things on. They have a Jesus stocking that they use at Christmas time, right? This last Christmas I bought a nativity scene, wrapped up each of the pieces individually, and mailed them to them in a big box so that they could, um, be, as they open those little pieces, they could think, well, what did the shepherds do for Jesus that we could put in the stocking? Or what did the star do for Jesus? So I try to think of things that we can pull it back and, and incorporate with them. Um, you know, we love to Skype. Skype is a beautiful thing. Our grandkids are almost seven hours away and so being able to Skype and have that open communication, there's nothing more awesome than being in the other room and hearing my husband make animal noises while he plays a game over Skype with my, <laughs> my grandkids. Um, so, and so as they're older, we absolutely plan on, you know, having, hopefully we've still got a group text going, right? Where yeah. we're able to share thoughts and different things and keep each other
1: inspired and motivated. That's great. I, I love it. So many great ideas from you. And I I just, I love your perspective and I know that it's going to help someone else. So thank you for sharing all of that. It's just, it's just great. But I always have a final question that I ask on the podcast and I would love to hear your response to this. So the question is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood?
0: God as my partner, you know, I just, I don't know how we could do it without him, but recognizing him as our partner is what our job is. And I was recently reading a little bit about Noah the bible and i learned something that i didn't know um first of all we don't know his wife's name but she is mentioned in the bible um so that tells me that the fact that she's mentioned as being there and as being part of his life is she was important even though we don't know what her name was the Mm -hmm. two things that we know about her specifically are that she got on the ship and she got off of the ship so that tells me she followed She followed um, the plan that was best for her family through the advice of her husband. But I would bet that she also prayed and also got confirmation that that's what she needed to do. The other thing that I learned as I was reading that I had never caught before is that Noah and his family sat in the ark for seven days until it started to rain. God was absolutely their partner in those seven days, right? Right. Because they, and I think as a mother, we have to do that. We have to think, I'm going to do this now. So that hopefully in seven days or seven weeks or seven years, they get it. They understand that, right? I'm not going to let that girl, that daughter of mine with a really cute bum wear booty shorts. So (laughs) hopefully down the road, and there's nothing wrong with booty shorts in and of themselves. And I don't want to pick on anyone, but that was my silver bullet. But hopefully so that someday she will respect who she is and that she will treat other people with respect. So I just have loved that analogy. And it's been something that I really has been circling in my heart for the last month or so is for God to truly be my partner. I have to trust in his process. I have to, as I pray to him, I can't take someone's free agency away from them and say, please make so-and-so realize they've got to be honest. Please make my child get to school on time or whatever it is. I need to say, Heavenly Father, what can I do for my child who is struggling with this? Yeah. Heavenly Father, how can I be the best parent for him or her today? What can I do? And and as long, and if we will keep those things um, close to our heart and we stay open to what Heavenly Father asks us to do, then even if we don't see the whole big picture right away, those little pieces will fall in place. Those little tender mercies will happen. And we can move forward. I've been reading a book and there was a line that just stood out to me. And I'll just end with this. It says, um, the true power of prayer resides in listening to the spirit and accepting the words God puts into one's mind and one's mouth. So am I putting my words there or am I letting God put those words into my mind? And then he says, prayer is more about listening and feeling than it is about speaking and asking. So it just gives me a perspective on using him as my partner. And and the first thing is to recognize that he is there to be our partner. And I've been married 26 years. And yes, crazy of all crazies, I have three grandkids. And I'm still learning <laughs> right. how to continue to use right. him as my partner in in mothering my kids and my son-in-law and my grandkids and my everything. It just, to me, it just expands. And I love that.
1: That that was beautiful. I loved what you shared and your analogy of Noah and, you know, his family and his wife and their experience is is a perfect analogy of motherhood. Um, when you said, you know, they sat on the boat for 7 days and nothing happened. I mean, how many times that is so relatable. How many times in motherhood do you sit there and you're trying to trust but nothing's happening and you know, right. I mean, that, yeah. that we can totally relate to that, but the rain came and the prophecies came through and their faithfulness, it, it was true. And it, and it, it made a difference in their lives. And then they got off the boat. That, that is so good. I'm going to have to go read more about that. I love that. <laughs> I learned Very a lot good. there. Yeah. Very good. Well, Elise, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Really. It's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So great to reconnect after all these years. And uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for the opportunity and to reconnect with you and and to really reflect
0: on what I feel like my message of being a mom is. So thank you so much.